we've been looking for looking at for several weeks this first Gog and Magog battle. And uh, um, so we're going to continue with that. Tonight, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at trying to figure out what par possibly what time this war will take place. Uh, what's got to happen before and after and the reason and the rationale uh, behind it. And uh, uh, there are, I think I told you, there are at least nine wars associated with the end time. Now, these are two different ones. Did y'all part them or y'all giving out the same ones? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, these, these nine wars, they're intriguing. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, if you begin to look at Israel, like we've already said, it just makes this war that they are in with Hamas, what's going on in the north with Hezbollah, what's going on down in the south, what, I guess southeast maybe, with the Houthis and Yemen and all of that, folks. I, I don't know. I just think all things around our globe and in our world is pointing to the soon and uh, second coming of Jesus Christ. I just believe that with all of my heart. All right. Thank you, brothers, for passing those out, what they lack. I'll go ahead and start reading. We're going to pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 39. Chapter 38 and 39 is, is the scripture that deals with the first battle of Gog and Magog. If you remember, there are two battles of Gog and Magog. One comes before the tribulation period. One comes at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. They are totally distinctly different. All you have to do is read the... Uh, uh, the scriptural passages about them in chapter 38 and 39 uh, deal with the first one. In chapter 39, we're going, to, we're going to see some reasons that the timing of this war is important. It's significant. We'll be talking about Daniel's 70th week in brief. We'll not go too deep. It goes deep as you want. But it's not that hard, honestly, to understand once you begin to get in it and look at it and understand some simple principles. But uh, these facts that are in this passage that deal with uh, the fact that the weapons that these uh, armor or these uh, armies will be bringing down from the northern part under the mountains of Israel, uh, there'll be seven years. That's a key factor. Seven years in Israel burning them. Now, you can ask all the questions you want about the weapons, what kind they are, why are they going to be burning, why they, I don't know much to answer you, but I'll listen. I'd like to know more myself, and if somebody else knows, I'd love to be educated on it. I just cannot find enough to satisfy me. Maybe the Lord just haven't opened up to people to understand it yet. And there's also another seven uh, period of time. It's not only seven years, but seven months. There will be such a, a massacre on those armies that he'll only leave a sixth of them. Uh, we'll find that out in this passage. Um, uh, uh, there will be a great number that die. And during that period of time, uh, after their deaths and whatnot, there's going to be a continue for seven months searching for body parts to be buried. And the reason for that, you've got to remember the Lord's coming. You've got to clean up a place. In, in essence, that's just simply as I can put it. So we're going to begin in verse, in, in verse 1. One other thing, you, you, I'm not going to read that far, but if you read the remainder of the chapter, you find God's going to provide a great supper. It's the great supper of the Lord, and it's for birds and beasts. That's exactly right, for birds and beasts. So, verse 1. 
Therefore thou, son of Am, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee. I may have said that backward. Did I say it backward? I did say a sixth part he'd leave. Okay. Y'all know how I am, so I just wanted to correct it. Uh, leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. And I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, to the beast of the field to be devoured, and thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, if you remember last week, I told you the purpose for this war or the week before, and we've seen it here repeated three times in this passage, is that God will be known and God will be glorified in all of this. Everything God does. I asked Debbie a question today. We were talking, and I said, the only thing I can figure out is it, was, it will glorify God, and everything will eventually glorify Him. He said, so will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, it is come, and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. And you all know that God's able to speak of future events as if they were already in the past. That's what the Word of God teaches. There's a great verse in Romans chapter 4, maybe, may, I don't know, maybe verse 17, some down, somewhere down through there. It said, He calleth those things that be not as though they were. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. Notice that. That's a key verse here. Seven years. That's important. That's why, that's why so many different theories and ideas of when the battle of Gog and Magog, the first battle of Gog and Magog, will be fought because of that statement there. So that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forests. For they shall burn the weapons with fire. And they shall spoil those that spoiled them and rob those that robbed them, saith the Lord God. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea. And it shall stop the noses of the passengers, and, they sh and there they shall bury Gog and all the multitude, and they shall call it the Valley of Hemingog. The Valley of the Multitudes, I think is what that is. Can you imagine going on a tour to Israel, going down through the Jezreel and have to use a clothespin put on your nose because it stinks so bad? I mean, I mean, it's going to be terrible. I mean, the massacre is going to be so great that there's going to be a lot of decay before they're able to bury. It's going to be a, it's going to be a terrible time. In seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them, uh, a burying of them that clean the land. And look now, seven years to bury their weapons, seven months to bury the bodies. 
Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renown. The day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God, and they shall sever out men of continual employment passing through the land to bury uh, with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it after the end of seven months shall they search. Uh, you, you read on and get the rest of that. A little bit more information uh, will, be, will be given to you. Now, if you remember, and this one will start just simply as a review, I gave you uh, seven theories or ideas. And I'm going to present one of my own tonight. Now, it matches with one of these that I have already written down. And uh, that's what the, uh, the 10 days between the Feast of Trumpets and and the Day of Atonement is all about. It's my, it's my theory. I didn't get it from anybody else. Got it from the Lord doing some study because I've always been intrigued about something. And when we get there to explaining the Feast of, of, uh, of uh, Trumpets and the 10 days that separate the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement, uh, that's what had me caught up in, in my thinking about how the feasts are going to be fulfilled. But again, I'll say a little more about that in a minute. There's different theories that can be, in my opinion, just excluded, uh, just at the listening of them. Uh, the first one is uh, the, the war of Gog and Magog, the first battle of Gog and Magog, will, will be at the beginning of the tribulation. Now, a lot of people hold to that. A lot of people think, how, how long is the tribulation? How many, how many years? Seven years. Seven years. So that would, that would fit without a... Without a doubt, to a degree, but without going into any kind of detail, that really right now I can't remember the rationale why that will not uh, will not fit. I could re do some more study and bring it back if you got questions on that, but it just won't fit the time element like it ought to. Then there's some that we can discount this one immediately that it'll happen at the end of the tribulation, right before the beginning of the millennium. That's not going to happen. We look into the Word of God when the tribulation ends. And there's a certain period of time, maybe 45 days, that will separate the end of the tribulation after the battle of Gaul or after the battle of Armageddon before the onset of the millennium. Now, the king is going to be here at the end of the tribulation. He will be leading the armies of heaven to fight the battle of Armageddon at Harmagal, uh, or at Armageddon. And that means the hill of Megiddo, which is... In, in the uh, valley of Jezreel, just south of Mount Carmel, just north a little bit of Gilead and Mount Tabor. And it's a, it's a vast valley. It's beautiful, isn't it, Miss Phyllis? She was there. Miss, uh, Miss Lorraine was there. Anybody else? Judy's not here tonight. My wife, few others. Beautiful, amazing. I, I, Mom was there. I did not looking over you, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, Napoleon said that said it's he said it's the greatest battlefield that he'd ever seen, the most natural battlefield that he had ever seen. And then somebody says it'll it'll begin at the end of millennium. That's because they simply don't know, and I don't mean this mean that'll rightly divide the word of God. The difference between the two Gog and Magog battles are so obvious, even I could understand it when I first started reading the Word of God. Now I was a little confused why the two but it was obvious they were totally, totally different. Then there is a theory that it will happen before the rapture and the tribulation. Uh, then there's one 
that says it'll happen the midpoint of the tribulation, that 70th year of Daniel, is that 70th year of Daniel, which is the year or, or is, is, the, is the time of the tribulation, which is a seven-year period of time, can be and is divided into two three-and-a-half-year periods of time or 1,260 days or three-and-a-half years. It's a lot of numbers, right? It's pretty simple, though, but when you hear a lot of numbers, maybe the first time or not many times, it's confusing. But it can be divided in that well. If it starts in the end or in the midway of, of the tribulation, you still got supposed to have seven years. It just doesn't fit the time element. Here's mine, not because I made it up, but it, it matches other. It's going to be, this war is going to be after the tribulation, but before. Or after the rapture, but before the tribulation begins. You got that? Clear as mud, the way y'all are looking. Let's stop right here and let me, let me say, ask me questions, let me help. If it isn't clear. If it's clear, say amen. amen. Oh, three amens. Oh, how can I help it get better? Somebody help me. I don't want to confuse you. Say it again. Where do you want me to start at? Oh, all right. Okay. I believe as well as many good conservative fundamental Bible scholars that literally interpret the Word of God, try to rightly divide it, believe that this battle of Gog and Magog will begin after the rapture, after the church is snatched away, but before the onset of the tribulation. Now, I used to, as a young preacher, as a young student of the Word of God, believe what probably most of us believed at one time or another. Maybe some of us or most of us still believe that when the rapture of the church takes place, when God comes to snatch his own away, when 1 Thessalonians, which Paul says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, the voice, or, or, let's turn over and read it. I was trying to quote 1 Corinthians 15. Turn to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 really, really quickly. We'll, we'll read that. And uh, I don't give any background to history on it. I'll just read it. I'll do that some other time if, if that'd be all right. Time's pretty short tonight. But um, Paul tells us in the book of 1 Thessalonians 4, I'm going to pick it up uh, in verse 16 for time's sake. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a voice, um, with a voice of the ark, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I used to think that the day that that happened, the next day, the tribulation would begin. That it would just be bam, bam. I no longer believe that. I, I believe that there is going to have to be a time to take care of the chaos that's going to ensue or follow the snatching away of the church. What we have right now, 325 million people in America, anybody, roughly that? So if, if I'm not good with math, and you all know that. Most of you are starting to grin right about now. If there was just 1% of Americans go, how many would 1% of 300 million be? 30, that 30 million? 3 million. 3 million? 
That'd be a pretty good chunk of people to disappear all at once, wouldn't it? Now, I believe there's going to be way, way more than 1% of Americans go. I believe one of the things, friend, listen, that's going to, and I'll tell you both of them, that's going to cripple America to where as a nation she will not be a factor in end-time prophecy. She's never mentioned in the Word of God. Never. We're a superpower now. We're a great nation, the greatest nation on earth, if you will, blessed in so many ways. But I believe that there are still so many honest to goodness, born-again believers, blood-washed, redeemed uh, folks in this nation that when they're gone, it's going to cripple America. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe the second thing is going to, uh, to cripple us is the 33, is it 33 trillion dollars we're in debt now? Anyway, it's going to be the economy. It's going to be the economy. So with that in mind, can you imagine, and I can't, I've tried to, I, I, it, it frightens me actually. I mean, I was down at Kroger's the other day in between snows. The wrong time to go Krogering. I wasn't packing that day, and I was frightened. I mean, really, I mean, people were just, and I got to the place where I wanted to get my loaf of bread, and on three shelves, listen, there was only one loaf. I thought about breaking and running and diving, but I didn't. I mean, I just thought, I thought, you know, one of these days it's going to be worse than this. And I know when snow comes, you got to have what? Two things. Tell me. Thank you. What can I say? I just, went, I just went shopping on that day because that's when I needed to get things. So anyway, anyway, I, 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 there are times like that that I, that I think how bad it's going to be. Listen, when the church is gone, this world's going to change. Now, I, I don't understand this as fully as I'd like, but I know the Word of God refers to us under two terms. We are salt and we are light. How many of you like living in the darkness? I don't see too many people uh, selling out and going to, is it Nome, Alaska, where it's dark? How many months out of the year? How many days? Lordy mercy, that's way too long for me, you know? Um, and, and we're salt. We're holding back as wicked as it is now. And I'm telling you, folks, it's, it's a wicked time. I, I don't see too many men and women taking their families to Chicago. They're not going there to vacation either. I mean, there's, there's people getting slain up there week after week after week. I mean, it's a wicked time. Can you imagine, though, after the salt leaves, that thing that holds back? It doesn't, it doesn't reverse um, putrefaction or, or corruption or decay. It just, it just retards it. It holds it. Can you imagine what this world is going to be like when the church is gone? Now, this is going to be global, folks. I mean, there, there, there are people, there are people that's going to come uh, up in the rapture around the world. If I read Revelation chapter 5 right, there's a great number uh, out of every land, tongue, people, and language. You can read it, and I know that's not quoted. And they're singing. They're singing to the, uh, to the glory of the Lamb that redeemed him with his own blood. Read that in chapter 5. So this world is going to be in a mess. How many of you are glad you're going to be gone? Amen. I feel sorry for those people that think they got to go through the whole tribulation, though they say they're saved. I feel sorry for people that think they got to go through half of the tribulation. You know, they leave at the midpoint, though they're saved. 
Man, I'll tell you what, again, I, I like to say what David Cook said. He said, listen, when I hear the toot, I'm going to scoot. I'm not waiting around. You can stay if you want, but the good thing is if you're saved, you won't stay. The Lord will take you. Whether you want to go or not, he'll take you without a doubt. Blanche? He does. Dr. Ver J. Vernon McGee is a great, a great man of God. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a great teacher, a great man. And if you're looking for commentaries, I don't get any money, you know, for, for referring him. But I tell you what, he's got a five-volume hardback set that's hard to beat. His, his book introductions are worth the 50-some or 60-some dollars you pay for a five-volume book hardback set. Well said, John. Well said, John. Yeah. Could you imagine, I mean, I mean, could you imagine the car accidents, the plane crashes, <coughs> surgery half done and surgeons disappear? I mean, we could go on and on and on imagining it's going to happen. It is going to happen someday. People will just disappear in a heartbeat. Can you imagine a, a man whose wife said, Honey, if you don't change, I'm leaving you. When he wakes up some morning and his wife's no longer in the bed and he goes in to check the crib to see if the baby's okay and, and, and the wife and, and the baby is gone. Or opposite, a woman has a husband to say, If you don't change, I, I, I'm checking out. It's going to happen someday. And it, there has got to be, in my opinion, there has got to be a period of time of adjustment, of trying to get your feet on the ground. I mean, it's going to, it's going to interfere with, with, with distribution, with manufacturing, with farming, with pr production of food stuffs, whether it be vegetables or meats or fruit. Can you imagine all of this? I'm telling you, I wouldn't want to be here. Would not want to be here. I mean, who's going to take care of giving us lights? You know, how many of John Amos people are saved and going to, going to head out? If you get sick and you need an immediate appendectomy, we don't have any f physicians. We think it bad. Now, I, we call Debbie's gastroenterologist, whatever he's called. That guy deals with the, duck, the gut. And they said, well, she's already got an appointment, you know, next month. And I said, yeah, but she needs help right now. Oh, he's booked until April something. So we, I understood that totally. Oh, that'll lead up to it. Yes, Miss Teresa, she asked, do we think part of the recovery will lead up to that? It definitely will. The, the, the world will be screaming for somebody to take over to have answers. Y'all have heard of the UN, haven't you, in New York? Y'all know what the UN stands for? Unnecessary. And it is. Biggest waste of real estate in New York that I know anything about. The cost is exorbitant to keep it going. And uh, the, guess what nation funds it more than anybody else? Uh, so anyway... Yes, they are. Yes, they are. A lot of our money is going to them that we get supported. Well, 
when, when that thing was found, and I can't remember the year that it was, there was the first president, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've read it, but if my memory of this is correct, his name was Dr. Spork. Not Spock, like on Star Trek, but uh, Spork. And uh, he made a statement, something similar to this. It may not be verbatim, but you can find it. It's, it's in record. He said, look, he said, give us someone to lead, whether it be a man or the devil, and we will follow him. It's where the world's going to someday. This Antichrist that's coming on the scene, and by the way, I have no way of confirming this except the conviction in my heart. I believe that dude is on planet Earth and is so active in global politics that we could not imagine. I believe he's on... I believe he's on the footstool of God. Believe that with all of my heart. May not be, but I've got the privilege of believing and thinking, being an American to this point in day, that uh, that, and I do. I, th I think I think he's around. So, pardon me. He's my no. He's not like a Biden. I'll tell you that. He's out in the open, I'm telling you. So anyway, I mean, he comes on the scene, the Antichrist, according to the Book of Revelation, chapter six, in the first you know, first one or two verses. He comes out with a crown with a bow on a white horse. That's, that's not the Christ. That's the Antichrist. And uh, the book of Daniel speaks of him, how that he will gain control. He'll do it by flatteries. All right? Now, trust me, he's going to have some power, but he'll do it by lying and promising. I mean, he, he, he's, he's of the seed. He's of the seed of Satan of deceit and lie and treachery and all of that kind of stuff. So um, anyway, so here's what we're going to do. So all we've got time for is to tell you the, the direction I'm going on this. We're going to look the first at the seven feasts of Israel. And the reason we're going to do that, when we get down to the feast, like I said, of the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of, of, of Atonement, um, those 10 days that separate that is what got me on this, got studying and how this little paper that needs way developed. This is just such a basic thing, the 10 days of awe that I wrote, um, put me on to this. And I'll explain more about it next week, the Lord willing, if we're here. But these seven feasts that are found in the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus gives us God's prophetic calendar. My opinion could be the deepest chapter in the entire Word of God. When you begin to read about it, when you begin to study, see what's all involved, because those seven feasts, they were two things. They were practical, meaning that they were feasts that God gave to the nation of Israel after He brought them out of Egypt and after He brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai and bringing them together as a homogenized nation, the people of God, His chosen his elect, the apple of his eye. He said, I want you to celebrate. I want you, I, I want you to do some things. The first one, as you know, is the feast of Passover. It was celebrated literally down in Egypt the very night that God brought the children of Israel out after 400 years plus of bondage, just like God told Abraham that would happen. You read the next one that goes on. They have a practical... Um, application because Israel celebrated them. They got together. They had good time. There was only one of the seven feasts that wasn't to be joyous. 
They had to actually grieve. They had to actually afflict their soul. They had to remember all the sins. And we'll talk about that one uh, in a couple of weeks or next week. It's the Day of Atonement. But all the rest of them are to be joyous. Three of them were required by God's law to be sure to command that all the males of Israel came for the three feasts. Three big ones, Pentecost, uh, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So we're going to look at these feasts, and what we're going to do, we're going to see the practical part of them with the prophetical side. For instance, again, Passover pointed to who and what in the New Testament. Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. When you get to the next one, the Feast of, of, uh, of Unleavened Bread, who do you think about with that? Well, it talks about actually, it speaks of Jesus, but also the church, me and you. It's a feast of seven days, a week, which is a complete period of time. And the church, although we're not sinless, and we'll find that out in the, peace, in the Feast of, of Pentecost, uh, we're, to, we're supposed to live as sinless as we can. Say amen there. The next one is the Feast of First Fruits. What's that a picture of? Resurrection. It happened three days after Jesus was buried. The next one that comes along is 50 days later. The name, the word Pentecost means anybody? 50. And it, it occurred on the first day of the week, on the Lord's Day. And that's the day that Jesus came out, and this is the proper way to say it, by the way, out from among the dead because there were many that were left behind. You go on, the next one is, oh, and let me stop on a feast of, of, of Pentecost. It's amazing for a lot of reasons, but one of the most. Can anybody remember at this sacrifice and this um, celebration, there was something that was offered that was not allowed in any other, any other sacrifice? Anybody? Leaven. Where was it at, Mark? Okay, it was in the two loaves. It was in the two loaves of grain that instead of like the first fruits was just new, new grain, just the evidence of, of something else to come, you know, it was a promise of a greater, you know, in-gathering. And they had taken and gathered the, uh, the barley or the wheat, they had ground it down in their pistols, they had, they had made flour with it, made bread, and they were to put leaven in those two loaves. Who makes up the church? What bodies? What groups? Jew and Gentile. Giving none offense to the Jew, the Gentile, nor the church of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. One of the greatest verse scripture in the Word of God to learn how to rightly divide the Word of God. Okay? And there was leaven put in it. Leaven is a type or a picture of evil, sin. You're exactly right. And look, God, we're talking about now what the Bible says about the security of the believer. If you, if you all remember that, say amen. So we're going to see that God's already taken care of our sin that we're going to have in us after we're saved. He's got a plan to keep us all the way to the end because our sins... We're judged in Christ on the cross. Those two loaves, where, what, what, how did they get baked? They were put in a what? Okay, what's in that oven? What makes that oven worthwhile? The fire that's in it. You see, the fire took care of the leaven. So, I mean, they're just beauty and truths throughout this entire word of God. Got to stop right there, not because I want to, because time's up. So, 
We'll pick it up there. Sound interesting? All right. That's the way we're going. Yes.